0: class uh, for us to teach, it's Bible study methods, and most of the students who come to seminary have been through some kind of Bible study methods class, either at their church or something like this, um, and unfortunately, a lot of that Bible study methods approach started at Dallas Seminary, uh, and we are uh, living out our sins, so to speak, we're trying to change that, Um uh, you probably, you know, observation, interpretation, correlation, application, this type of approach. And what I'm trying to communicate to these people is um, to read it. Now, that sounds, uh, I said, not like you're reading your Bible, because you're not reading your Bible. And, and this has been universal, right, uh, for, for, I don't know, almost 20 years now of teaching this. Everyone who comes to seminary reads the Bible the same way. They skim it. Uh, They read it and they go, yeah, I don't know, don't know, got nothing. Oh, I like that verse. And they underline it, right? And then they jot some stuff in the margin. Um, And then they come back the next time and they read along and still don't know, still don't care. I still like that verse. And then, you know, then they highlight it and make more notes on it. Uh, And uh, and so um, yesterday from 8 until 4, um, we just went from passage to passage, destroying life verses and putting them in context, right? Asking them to read the sentences before their favorite verse and the sentences after their favorite verse and see if they make some sense, right? And um, and so that, that brings up all kinds of questions. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so um, that was my... Week I was in Houston on Tuesday, Dallas on Wednesday, Houston on Thursday, Washington, D.C. on Friday, Saturday. Uh, Got back last night to the ranch at, what time, 10? Um, Then we do it this week, uh, but I'll be in San Antonio, so that's closer uh, on Friday and Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, back here Sunday. So anyway, so we're we're making the rounds. Um, I'm making enemies in all kinds of, uh, places ruining people's life verses. That's my uh, that's my ministry. Uh, but the goal is so that you can actually read the scriptures and they make sense, right? Um, so so that's what we're trying to do. Um, and then you know, and then we you know talk about application and all that. So anyway, so we've been in uh, in the book of Revelation, right? Uh, where did we leave off? I've, it's been several. Um, Chapter two, okay. So uh, so we're in Revelation chapter two. Do you remember what, uh, so that's uh, chapters two and chapter three are the seven letters to the churches. Do you remember where we ended up? So was it, uh, we were gonna start with Smyrna? Okay. All right, so remember um, several things uh, going on here. Um, this is the last book of the Bible, correct? Um, I must've said this probably, uh, 20 times yesterday, that um, that when you pick up a book, when you pick up a story, narrative literature, um, any book, uh, you start at the beginning and you go to the end, right? Uh, and so the Bible is a story. It begins at the beginning and it goes to the end. And the middle part connects the beginning to the end. If you were to pick up any book and start at the end, It wouldn't make much sense, right? right. Your Your uh, chances—we're getting (laughs) (laughs) feedback in the. (laughs) uh, Your chances of understanding it increase greatly if you actually read it from the beginning to the end. Um, Now, this is the same with epistles as well, Uh, uh, letters. Um, You know. I, I, I've come to the conclusion, and see this, I'm not the smartest guy, so it takes me some time. Um, but I realized, and I was talking with some of the other professors, uh, we, we call ourselves the Bible exposition department. Um, but really, we're the remedial reading department. Uh, we're asking people to sound out the big words and assume that this sentence has something to do with the previous sentences. And uh, our job is to point out the obvious. Now, because we read the Bible the way we read the Bible in the church, I'm going to be employed forever. (laughs) Right? Forever. Um, Because, uh, for example, if, uh, and I I was telling this, I've told you this. If uh, someone is talking and they say, I, and then they say, you all, I am not the you all group. Did I lose anybody there? See, thanks for pointing out the obvious, right? In other words, in, in every book of the Bible, I, I don't care where you go, uh, in the Gospel of John, right? Uh, in First John, in Second John, in Third John, in any of the epistles, anywhere you go, you're going to get this uh, language of the apostle or the prophet speaking to the people. Does that make sense? Um, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten, which came from the father and was revealed to us. Uh, that which the, the first John, what we have seen, what our hands handle concerning a, a word of life, what we are, we can, uh, we uh, report to you. Uh, we uh, proclaim to you so that you may have fellowship with us as our fellowship is with the father and with the son. See, there's two groups all the way through here. And, um, Uh, And so um, if you recognize this, it's going to make Bible reading pretty simple. I think that's the biggest error that we make. We don't read to understand first. We read to apply first. So you're actually not reading. You're just searching for either a theology verse, less likely, but some people who are more theologically driven, right? So Calvinists, you know what Calvinists do? They read the Bible looking for Calvinist verses. And, um, you know, Pentecostals read the Bible looking for Pentecostal verses, right? Uh, but most of us are just reading the Bible looking for life verses that we can apply to our life, right? And you don't pick the ones you don't like. Do you ever notice that? You've never underlined a verse you don't like. I can, um, for you, for y'all were called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. How often does a New Testament writer write to the people and say, y'all were called for this purpose? I mean, that's rare, right? Nobody got that verse underlined. Uh, we underline, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That, that, or something like that, right? Uh, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. <laughs> totally disregarding who he's talking to. Okay, so, um, all that to say uh, that we're because we're in the last book and we're studying the last book, we spent quite a bit of time going back through the story and going back through previous passages to, to, at least in a small way, lay the context. Good? Now, um, John is writing uh, the book of Revelation. Good? He, uh, in 119, spells out how he is structuring or how he was told to structure this book. Write the things which you have seen the things which are, and the things which shall take place after these things. Do you remember this? Okay, so we said that 1-1 through one eighteen, 18 are the things that, uh, that you have seen. Uh, chapters 2 and chapter 3, the things which are, these are the seven letters uh, to the seven churches, and the things which will take place after these things. Good? Okay, uh, one more uh, uh, point by way of reminder. I want you to go to uh, Galatians chapter two. Okay, now uh, if you remember the story that's told uh, that Luke tells in the book of Acts, uh, he tells about Peter. Now, uh, was Luke with Peter? No, Luke wasn't with Peter. So when Luke writes his gospel uh, to Theophilus, right, the Gospel of Luke, not Acts. Luke, Acts is the second letter. The first letter uh, that Luke writes to Theophilus, he says. In so much as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, that would include Luke, right? Um, and so Luke is not in the Gospel of Luke, is he? He doesn't show up anywhere. Uh, who's the us group that, that is with Luke? Uh, Paul and Timothy and Barnabas. That's that's the uh, that's the us group, okay? And they're not in the Gospel of Luke. So he says. Uh, In so much as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, it seemed fitting for me, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write them out to you in consecutive order. But in between that, he says this. He says, just as those who were eyewitnesses and servants of the word from the beginning. Who were the eyewitnesses and servants of the word? The disciples. Okay, Um, These are the disciples are going to be sent out. So the disciples, followers of Christ, become the apostles. Now, there were many followers of Christ, disciples, uh, but there were, they were uh, the 11 that were sent out, okay? Um, and in Acts chapter 1, so uh, in the first account of Theophilus, I began, I, I wrote all that Jesus began to do and teach until he was taken up, all Right, So this is Acts chapter 1. And, and so, so Luke is writing to Theophilus all the things that have happened up until Paul and Paul's group comes on the scene and continues to take the gospel now to the Gentiles. Does that make sense? Uh, and so uh, the, the, the gospel going to the Gentiles begins in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10. Uh, remember the story? Peter was down in Joppa. Uh, he raises Tabitha from the dead. He goes to uh, Simon the Tanner's house. Uh, He sees the sheets coming down. Uh, He is told to kill and eat. He says, by no means, Lord. This happens three times. Uh, And he is commanded, uh, do not regard as unholy that which the Lord has cleansed. He was pondering what this might mean. And he hears the knock at the door. Three Gentile men sent from Cornelius um, show up he uh, goes with them without misgivings because he was told by the Lord to do it. Uh, He goes up, he shares the gospel with them. And as he's sharing the gospel, they received the Holy Spirit, which was promised to Israel. But the Gentiles received it. So Peter concludes, who am I to stand in God's way? So God has granted uh, to the Gentiles repentance that leads to life. Chapter 11, he goes and reports to uh, to the rest of uh, uh, of the apostles uh, what happened, uh, and they all agree. Okay, uh, by this time we've been introduced to chapter uh, to Paul, and now we're going to watch Paul in Paul's ministry take the gospel to the Gentiles. I'm going somewhere with this, so stick with. It. Good, you're going. Does this have anything to do with Revelation? I'm working on it. All right, I promise you, I'm going to try to land the plane. We might crash it, but we'll try to land it. Okay. So by this time, Paul is sharing the gospel to the Gentiles, um, and um, and so in chapter 15, this is what we call the Jerusalem Council, um, Paul and Barnabas um, are told that they need to go up and meet with the apostles. So they go up and meet with the apostles and elders. Now, the elders, the apostles and elders, the elders would have been Peter and James and John. These are the, the you know, the, the, the big shooters, right? Uh, the re, uh, Paul's going to, to refer to these people as the reputed to be pillars in Galatians chapter 2 right uh, and they uh, discuss it and they conclude that they're they're sharing the same gospel uh, and uh, and so they come to an agreement and this is what I want you to um, uh, to uh, to look at in Galatians chapter 2 let's pick it up in chapter 2 verse uh, I don't know Uh Verse 5, but we did not yield in subjection, uh, subjection to them for even an hour, so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you all. Uh, you all, Gentile believers in Galatia, throughout Galatia, uh, didn't yield to who? Didn't yield to these people who were trying to force Paul, uh, Paul was already circumcised, trying to, to uh, persuade those who were with Paul to be circumcised, because that's the issue that, uh, that's going on in the book of Galatians. But those who are of high reputation, uh, what they uh, were makes no difference to me. God shows no no partiality. Well, those who are of of high reputation or of reputation contributed nothing to me. On the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, who's that? Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. Okay, so when we're reading Peter, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, we need to keep in mind that Peter— is writing to the, the Jews, right, to the uh, those dispersed throughout Pontius, Galatia. That word dispersed, diaspora, comes straight out of Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's th- throughout the whole Old Testament that Israel is uh, expelled from the land, exiled from the land, and dispersed among uh, the uh, the nations. Okay, Um Verse 8, for he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised, effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who's Cephas again? Yeah, Uh, James and Cephas and John, the reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So when you're reading James, and James says to the 12 tribes dispersed, greetings. Who is James writing to? Jewish believers. Jewish believers. Okay. Uh, that doesn't mean there's no application in James or first, Second Peter or, or the Goth, or, or John, first John. Uh, but we need to keep in mind uh, that John, uh, Peter, and James, uh, the book of Hebrews, who's the writer of Hebrews writing to Hebrews. See how that works, Corinthians. He's writing to the good. Galatians to the Ephesians to the yeah. We're we're kicking with hot uh, hot grease now, right? Uh, good. Uh, and of course, I remind uh, students that you're you're not uh, you're not an Ephesian, you're not a Philippian, you're not a Colossian, you're not Timothy. Even if your name is Timothy, you're not that Timothy, which is why. Um, and you already know this, right? But I, I want to point out the obvious. Uh, because none of you are trying to go take Paul, his cloak and parchments before winter, right? That's a command that Paul gives to Timothy. And does Paul expect Timothy to come to him before winter? Of course he does. So what's the application for Timothy? Uh, come before winter, bring me my cloak and parchments. Look out for old Alexander the coppersmith. He, you know, he, he caused me much harm, right? Does that make sense? Uh, but you are going through there and you're picking some verses. So I'm asking you, why are you picking the verses you're liking? And why are you not picking others? Does that make sense? Uh, why do uh, Pentecostals pick Pentecostal verses, and Southern Baptists pick Southern Baptist verses, and you know Calvinists pick Cal- right? Because you're you're actually not reading; it. you're just picking it per your theology. Tracking. Okay, John. So 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 John uh, is writing uh, in First John. He's writing to Jewish believers uh, who are um who he needs to encourage um, about their eternal life right this is in first john look at first john chapter 5 this is 5 uh, 13 he actually does this a few times in the book yeah 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 yep i'm just curious they are saying Correct. yes 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 so so, so how does application work so, so let me let me, expl- let me explain this because this is going to be relevant uh, to us in the seven churches okay um, and, and uh, at least one of the points I'm trying to make here uh, so, so John uh, what is what John is told by Jesus, in the gospel of John, is that um, that he's going to be kicked out of the synagogue. They, the Pharisees, unbelieving Israel, will make you outcasts from the synagogue. And they'll think they're doing it in worship to God, right? Uh, so the, the, the Jews think they're children of God, but they're not. This is the whole gospel of John. So that which Jesus tells his disciples is going to happen to them after Christ's death, burial, resurrection, sending of the Spirit, they're going to be outcasts uh, in the synagogue, right? Now, the word for synagogue in Greek is um, synagogue. (laughs) It's just a transliteration, okay? Uh, Yeah. Um, uh, The word for church in Greek is ekklesia, okay? Um, Both of those words in Greek go back to a common word in Hebrew. When we go back to the Old Testament, the Septuagint, which is the translation of the um, uh, the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek, translates this word "kohel" into two different words: synagogue or ecclesia. Does that makes sense. And so, um, so what is happening is that uh, uh, let me let me step back for a second, make one more point before we go forward. So for John, okay. Uh, for in the Old Testament, who was in the Ekklesia? Who was in the Kohel? What made up the Kohel? Jews. If a Gentile wanted to become a, a member of the, if he wanted to join the assembly, he had to be and keep the law, circumcise and keep the law. So so, so this is the debate that's happening in the book of Acts, right? Um, and, um, uh, and this would be how they would do it in the Old Testament, that something has changed in the New Testament, uh, that the Gentiles have received the Holy Spirit of promise without becomes, becoming circumcised and keeping the law. You tracking? Okay. Now, um, what we're going to run into uh, several times, so look over in uh, 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 Revelation chapter 2, the church, uh, the letter to the church, uh, the the, the message to Smyrna, that's where we said we were, right? Uh, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, the first and the last who was dead and who has come to life, say this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do you see this? Okay, now, you're going to get this through First John, through Second John. Through third John, through Revelation, through the Gospel uh, of John, uh, that um, even in the Gospel of John, uh, at least one of the main points of the Gospel is who controls access to the Father. Remember Jesus' discussion with the Samaritan woman in John chapter four. Um, Remember Jesus uh, comes to her, asks for a drink. how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? If you know knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink, and I would give you. A, uh, you're not greater than our Father who gave us as well, are you, right? Um, you say, woman talking to Jesus, you say, uh, you know, you Jews say that you worship God on that hill. We say on this hill. And Jesus says, time is coming, and now is. Where it's not going to be on that hill or this, hill. it's going to be through me, Right? When you get to, so this is going to play out in the gospel. Uh, When in John chapter 9, when Jesus heals the blind man, the Pharisees call him in. Do you remember the story? They call him in, they question him, Uh, then they call in his parents. Uh, You know, is this your, yeah, we know this is our son. We know that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. Ask him, he was of age. They said this because they knew uh, that anyone confessing Jesus to be the Christ would be put out of the synagogue be kicked out. Now, um, the synagogue throughout the whole Old Testament, this was the assembly of God's people. What happened in the Old Testament is Israel, not the remnant, there are uh, the the believing remnant, and you're going to track this through the the prophets, okay? Uh, But Israel uh, generally rejects the Lord, goes down, follows the gods of the nations, and joins Satan, You know, they go down there and they join Team Satan. You'll see this all throughout the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is going to say uh, this. uh, This uh, this is in chapter 2, verse 1. And y'all were dead in y'all's trespasses and sins. Remember, uh, y'all throughout Ephesians is the Gentiles, we the Jews. uh, That's clear in 2.11. Uh, in which y'all formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. What's he saying in uh, in 2, 1 and 2? Uh, Y'all over there with Satan. And and verse 3 says, among them we too. See, we came over there and we joined you, which is exactly what happens in the Old Testament. So the synagogue, the people of God, Israel has rejected the Lord, and they have gone down and joined Satan. They become the synagogue of Satan. now. Why are they the synagogue of Satan? They claim to be the children of God, aren't, don't they? Yet, who do they reject? They reject the Christ. Now, this is First John. This is uh, John's whole uh, argument in First John, right? In First John chapter five, he says, "I'm writing to you." Um. Uh, uh, in First John chapter five, verse thirteen, uh, if he says, "I'm writing to you all," then that's probably a good indication of why he's writing. Uh, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, in order that you may know that you have eternal life. He's writing to encourage them, to remind them that they have eternal life. Now, uh, the other guys, the false teachers, um, they reject Christ, but claim to have relationship with the Father. You with me? John's going to say, no, no. He who has the Son has the Father. He who rejects the Son rejects the Father as well. We have seen him, 1-1, uh, uh, one, one, okay? Uh, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, we beheld our hands handled concerning the word of life, we revealed to you so that you may have fellowship with us as our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Now, so we are from God, you listen to us. They are from the world. The world listens to them test the spirits. We proclaim Christ, they reject Christ, spirit of antichrist. You listen to us. Make sense? So there's three groups in this book, the we group, the you group, the them group. You with me? Uh, now what has happened is the them group, this is Israel, the, the Jews who've rejected, they claim to be children of God. Uh, they claim to follow Moses. You remember this in the uh, Uh, you know, that's right there in that uh, John uh, 9 and 10 uh, story of the blind man. Um, uh, We are disciples of Moses. Right? Um, Well, Jesus says back in chapter uh, uh, 5, do not uh, think that I will condemn you before the Father. Jesus talking to those same people. Don't think that I will condemn you before the Father. The one who condemns you is Moses in whom you have put your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for Moses wrote of me. So they're not disciples of Moses. They're not uh, uh, followers of God. They're not children of Abraham as they claim to be. Our father is Abraham. No, no, no. Your father is the devil. This is why you try to kill him. Right. So, so all this is playing out in the Gospel of John. This is why you can't start at the end of the story. you got to read the story. As, and then you are go, oh, this makes perfect sense. See exactly what he's doing. I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm getting there. Okay. So, so we good? You got it? We're tracking. Everybody tracking so far? Okay. So, um, so, so um, what let's talk, let's talk about application. So, how do we get application? So, that always, oh, that 100% of the time always comes back. Uh, uh, yesterday, I must have uh, had it was a uh, mass insurrection. We're, we're doing observation interpretation, correlation. Uh, Paul says something to the Ephesians, yes? How do you know what he said to the Ephesians? I don't care what he said to the Ephesians. I'm just looking for verses I like. And then I'm looking for verses in other books that I like, and I'm comparing them. That's not correlation. Okay? What's Paul actually saying to these people? Why is he saying it? And then, well, what's he saying to the Philippians? Why is he saying that? Because there's a different issue in Philippi than there is in Ephesus. A different issue in Galatia than for us. See, ain't nobody trying to get us to be circumcised and keep the law, I don't think. Right? Not yet, right? Right? Um, but what is driving Paul to say what he says to the Galatians, to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, to the Colossians, it's the exact same theology, the exact same belief system that Peter says in writing to his, or John says, or James says. You with me? And so when we read the story, um, you're not uh, trying to find a red heifer or go to Israel on Passover to slaughter, a. You know, why not? Aren't you picking those verses? Because we know the story, right? So, So we know where we are in the story. So even though I'm not Timothy, I'm not the pastor at the church of Ephesus, I haven't kind of fallen away from my faithfulness. And Paul's questioning whether or not I'm on his team or not. Um, a lot of what Paul says to Timothy, Paul would say to anyone. Why? Uh, because believers are to endure. Now, some of what Paul says to Timothy, that's not for me. I'm not the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Alexander the coppersmith has been dead and gone for a long time, I don't have to worry about him, right? And Paul doesn't need cloak and parchments before winter this year. Right, he's good. Is that making sense? Uh, so, so it is only after we've understood the story and where we are in the story, where you individually are in the story, will you find correct application. In First Peter, Paul uh, Peter is going to give instruction to the shepherds, to the pastors of the church. Is That you. Nope. Uh, you think Pastor Tim might take uh, uh, special interest in that passage? Probably. Probably should, right? Is this making sense? Okay. Um, I'm not a wife. I'm a husband. Now, what Paul says to husbands and what Paul says to wives and how they are to operate, and then he takes it back. See, he doesn't say, because I said so. He says, because... Uh, the husband and wife relationship is that which is to be modeled because this is the bridegroom and the bride. One man, one woman, one flesh. And I'm not talking about husbands and wives. I'm talking about Christ and the church. So Christ and the church is to be modeled in this little relationship. Does that make sense? right? Uh, and so it is only after we understand the big picture that we go, oh, I see how I fit in, how I am a member of the body. The body of Christ we are all members of one another, and my role in the body is different than other roles in the body. Right? Tracking? It is only, though, after we understand the preach the gospel. Is that for you? What if you don't know any better? What if you've What if you're got garbage theology? You don't need to be teaching anything. There is instruction on, um, you know, do not lay hands too quickly on, you know, there's all kinds of instruction on who's supposed to be teaching, who's not, and dependently incurred on those who teach. So there's all kinds of this stuff. How about make it your life's ambition to lead a quiet life and work with your hands? Um, I can go through there and find verses I like. Uh, Paul uh, Paul uh, tells uh, Timothy, drink a little wine for your belly. I like that verse. That's my verse. Right. How are you picking verses? Is, that, is this making sense? Okay. So you're, what we're going to find, and you're already doing this, but I want you to think clearly about why you're picking the verses you're picking. Does that make sense? Because um, uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 10, Do not fear what it, uh, you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil's about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Now, is that for you? Can you read this and expect to go to the jail uh, in Brenham for ten days? Uh, No, that—that is a right. We we, we intuitively know that's a a Paul is or uh, John is writing to this church, instructing them about what's coming to them um, in pretty quick order. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, Be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. Now, um, how about that part? Well, I don't like it. I don't. I don't want to be faithful until death. I want to, you know, eat cheeseburgers and donuts and have my best life now, right? and not get heartburn or get fat and still have abs, because <laughs> God can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Right. Yeah. Right. Because uh, because you know what. Um, Let's go back to Cain and Abel, and Abel's blood crying out to the, uh, to the, to the Lord from the ground, right? Um, and Abel is instructed, endure, 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 endure. Endure to what? This goes all the way through the Old Testament. It goes all the way through the Gospels. It goes all the way through. And, and, and if Paul were telling us today, you know what he'd say? You'd be faithful unto death. I don't know if you would say it this way, but let me reiterate what all of these um, uh, authors are saying. Uh, guys, the death rate's one per person. And you're not getting out of it. I've told you this before. You know, there's always one student that says, well, Edek was say, yeah, yeah. well, Lazarus died twice. The death rate is one per person, okay? <laughs> and you're not getting out of that one. But this story is not about whether or not you're going to die, that's for sure. And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died all through chapter, all through. That, like that's that's sure. The story is about um, he who uh, believes in me will live, even if he dies. So he who seeks to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life on my account will. Save it. We'll return. See, see so how you get life, true life. See, you're, this, the Bible doesn't define this as life. It defines this as dying. Life is resurrection from the dead and eternal life. Right? And so endure even to the point of death if necessary. You gotta, you're going to die anyway. Might as well die for something and, instead of dying for nothing. Right? And the Lord will raise you When? In the last day. So, what is the hope of the believer? I don't care if it's Paul or Peter or John or James or oh, when the Bible talks about the hope of the believer, uh, Psalm 37, right? Uh, the hope of the believer. What's the hope of the believer? Uh, cash and a new job and uh, to be skinny and good looking. No right? Um, The hope of the believer is resurrection from the dead. Always has been, always will be. So what are they going to do? Beat you? What would Paul say? Paul says, uh, hey, Paul, we're going to beat you. What would he say? What a deal. I get to suffer for Jesus. Now you're going, what's wrong with that guy? No, there's nothing wrong with him. He's got good theology. He doesn't have best life now theology. If Paul wanted best life theology, he wouldn't have become a believer. Are you with me? He had it back there when he was Mr. Pharisee, you know, wearing the nice uh, clothes and, you know, and was highly regarded and all this stuff. Uh, what salvation got him was beatings and shipwrecks and suffering and imprisonment. And, uh, and he says, what a deal. I get to suffer on behalf of Christ. Now, I want you to listen to that. Suffer on behalf of Christ. Um, That's how we interpret that. Are are you with me? How is Paul actually suffering for Christ? Is Christ benefited somehow from Paul getting beaten? Let me explain what he's doing. Paul's theology uh, is that... uh, uh, Christ is the head. Does this sound familiar? Kind of sounds like what preacher was just saying. Uh, and we are the body. And he's suffering for the Gentiles. He's suffering for taking the gospel to the Gentiles, to the body of Christ, to the church. So he's suffering on behalf of the church for the cause of the church uh, for the. Uh, uh, the, uh, the the maturity of the church so that the church would be not tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine, but but, uh, but growing in love, growing in instruction. So he is suffering for Christ. Do you see how? Because he's suffering for the body of Christ. Uh, would well, that apply to us? Yeah, that applied to us too. And so how we get our theology Uh, how we get our application is from understanding Mm -hmm. more and more uh, completely and correctly uh, this story that's being revealed and how we relate to it. That make sense? So um, the theology that is driving John to say this is not a new theology. It started right at the fall, and it's going to continue through his time, through our time until the return of Christ, um, so the same theology that would cause Paul uh, because jo- cause cause John to say, um, "Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life." It's the exact same theology that Peter, uh, Peter, that uh, that uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Paul. That's that guy's name. Uh, that Paul says to Timothy. Okay, uh, listen to this. See if this sounds about the same. I am already being uh, poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course and I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but all those who love his appearing. What does Paul tell Timothy to do? Endure, suffer hardship, fight the fight, keep the faith, run the race. Crown of righteousness will be rewarded to you. Eternal life, resurrection of the dead. What do you have to fear, Timothy? I'll tell you what you have to fear. Standing before the Lord and not being faithful. That's what you have to fear. They can't do anything to you. It's the same theology. Do you remember when the the disciples are in prison and then they're brought before the Pharisees and say, you people stop uh, preaching the gospel. What do they say? Please God or please men. That's an easy one. That's an easy decision. You can beat us all you want. Beat us to death. Great. Then we get to die for the cause of Christ. Beat us almost to death. Fine. We suffer for Christ. So to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's the same theology. Right? What happens to us with this little application thing is our application becomes way, way way too small, right? The application is not bring your wife flowers. The application is lay down your life for your wife, as Christ did for you. Sometimes wives don't like flowers. We used to have, uh, I had about 120 rose bushes, something like this. And Katie would say, um, why are you raise those things? They stink. I didn't say that like that. The way she said it was nicey nice. What I heard was what she meant. <laughs> I don't know why you raise these things. They stink. They, they, don't bring them in the house. They don't smell good. Right? You with me? Um, uh, go out there and um, you know, do evangelism. Go, uh, I don't know. Go, go do this thing or that thing or some some particular. No, 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 no. That's not the application. The application is um, lay down your life for Christ. Suffer until death. Why? Because it's worth it. What other choice do you have? It's the same theology. Remember when Jesus is teaching back in chapter six and chapter seven of uh, of the Gospel of John and And he's uh, he's telling these people, Lest you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You and they're going, the disciples are going, Jesus, that's awful, hard teaching. Who can endure it? And Jesus says, You're gonna leave too? See, because the disciples were leaving. Remember what Peter says? Where else can we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. What choice do you have? So let's get that clear on our minds. It's not about convincing you to go uh, on a mission trip to beautiful feet, that, that's not it. It's, it's way bigger than that, are you with me? It's way bigger than some mission trip or some application to for the week. This changes everything. So, so uh, we don't read chapter two, right? Uh, verse, uh, uh, so turn it back over to chapter 2, the letter to Smyrna. Uh, like, uh, what we tend to do with the application will be something like this. You know, uh, John is encouraging people who are going into prison, so we need to be doing prison ministry. Let's start a prison ministry at the church. That's not it. Not against prison ministry. I'm fine with that. But it's way bigger than that. Are you with me? Okay. Does that answer the application question? So we're reading these letters to these seven churches that a author wrote to those people back then. Why does it relate to us? Because the same theology. Why is he writing these letters to all of these churches? Look at them. What do they have in common? Look at what does he repeat in all seven letters? To him who overcomes, I will something. Now, we talked about this overcome word, didn't we? right? Do you remember what the word was, the Greek word? Nike. Yeah, got Nike shoes, right? Overcome, Nike shoes. We don't hold to the Nike theology, but uh, at least not the Nike company theology. Uh, how does the believer overcome? In his belief, that's how he overcomes, by enduring in his belief, because the believer is not the overcomer. Who's the overcomer? Christ is the overcome, right? All right. The world hates you. The world hates me. Fear not. I have overcome the world. Uh, <clears throat> resurrection, eternal life. There's nothing they can do to you. Nothing. 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 Um, I always remind our students that um, one of my my favorite. I, I don't know why it is. It just it it, it strikes me as uh, there's there's several passages, but one of them it just strikes me as how a feudal. Uh, uh satan's uh satan's arsenal is right do you remember jesus raises lazarus from the dead and then right after jesus raises lazarus from the dead uh the pharisees are say, say everybody's believing in this guy because he raised lazarus from the dead let's go kill lazarus again really that's it that's all you got <laughs> You got. There's no bullets left in that gun. It's repeated throughout. He's resurrected. He has the the. He's got the keys to Hades. He's overcome death. There's nothing to fear. You have cancer, and they're going to throw you in prison and beat you. And that sounds harsh, um, unless you have this theology. You have nothing to fear, nothing, right? Is this making sense, tracking? Okay, so um, do not fear, you're about to suffer. Uh, Do not fear, you're about to suffer. Uh, When did believers start suffering? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. uh, so it was true in Cain and Abel, yes? Uh, turn to uh, Psalm 37. Let me show you Psalm 37. Now, Psalm 37 was written by David. Okay. Now, So, so why am I taking so much time here? Because um, if we don't get our... The- we should already have our theology correct by the end of the story, but if we don't, then we need to correct it so that we can uh, continue on. Okay, so Psalm 37 is a psalm of David. You will recognize uh, 3711... 11, uh, because it is quoted by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Psalm 37, uh, 37, 11, blessed are the, uh, the," this is how Jesus says it, blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the land, okay? Now, he's quoting, uh, uh, he is quoting uh, Psalm 37, it's the Psalm of David. Now, David was king, yes, of Israel, correct? Was Israel in the land when David was king? Sure they were, sure they were, yeah. Uh, do not fret because of evildoers. Now this is David the king. Who's supposed to be judging evildoers in Israel? David the king. And he's telling them, I don't, I don't have enough, I can't fix this. Right? Do not fret when evildoers, uh, because of evildoers. Do not be envious towards wrongdoers, for they will quickly wither like the grass. They will fade like the herb, trust in the Lord and do good. And he continues, uh, cease from anger. Uh, do not fret from him who prospers. Wait patiently for the Lord. Verse 9, for uh, evildoers will be cut off. When? But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. I want you to notice the will inherit the land. Verse 9, verse 11. Uh, verse: uh, Their inheritance will be forever. Verse eighteen: They will inherit the land. Verse twenty-two: uh, They will dwell in the. Uh, they will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Verse twenty-nine: uh, It just continues. Verse thirty-four: They will inherit the land. I thought they were in the land. This whole story is not about getting to the land, rest in the land. Joshua, right? Hebrews points this out. If there was a rest after the rest when they got to the land, then the Bible wouldn't talk about another rest. We're not talking about rest in the land. We're talking about rest in the land. Resurrection of the dead, eternal life. Are you with me? But I want you to uh, look at this uh, verse 12. The wicked plots against the righteous. Remember Cain and Abel? So it was happening during Cain and Abel's day. It was happening at the height of the kingdom uh, when David was the king. Still going on during Jesus' day? Of course it was. How do we know that it was going on during Jesus' day? Uh, They killed Jesus. (laughs) They killed Stephen. They killed the disciple. They killed, is this going on today? Should this surprise you? So endure. Suffering's coming. But I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. Now, if we would actually take that verse in context, what's the future and the hope for every believer throughout this whole story? Resurrection of the dead, eternal life, right? Because your hope isn't uh, this is Israel twenty nine Jer- Jeremiah twenty. Your hope is not uh, walking back from Babylon and rebuilding a city when you're seventy plus years old. That sounds like a horrible plan. I don't want any part of that plan. Um, I will. Uh, our cabin is about uh, sixty yards from my office. I will get in the truck and drive to the cabin or drive to the office. Uh, if I'm going, I, I don't want to walk the, walk the babbling. I don't even walk to the office. What are we talking about? You walk the battle. And I'm 52. Well, I'm about to be 52, whatever. 70 something ain't happening. And if you remember when we went to Daniel chapter nine, Daniel reads in the place where Jeremiah, the prophet sold 70 years. He says, you didn't repent. So it's going to be 70 times seven. So you're not coming back the hope was always eternal life. Resurrection of the dead. Endure unto death and you will be given the crown of life. Now, if we don't believe in resurrection from the dead, we got some problems, don't we? That changes everything we believe, doesn't it? It changes how we approach every day, right? Uh, And so all of the applications, let's say the little application, right, all the little applications, you know, uh, you know, bring your wife flowers type stuff, um, only can be correctly understood in light of the big application, right? Uh, which is love the Lord your God with all of your heart. I so love you uh, because He's going to raise you from the dead. There's your hope. If you need more detailed stuff, I can give you. See, so Paul's going to to address specific instances and tell them to do specific things, but the motivation for the specific instruction is because these big things are true. Endure injustice. Why? King's coming. Don't fret when evil do prosper. Why? Because the king's coming. Uh, don't take matters into your own hands. Why? Because a vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The king's coming. It all goes back to the same thing. It's the things that we see all the way through the big story. Tracking. Overcome. 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 Promise. 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 Eternal life. Resurrection from the dead. Uh, uh, you're a member of Christ's body, Right? you're going to be there. You're going to see it. Psalm 1. Do you remember Psalm 1? How many of you memorize Psalm 1? You memorize it, uh, but it says, not so with the wicked, right? Look at Psalm 1. This is the theology, guys, and this is what drives everything in the Bible. You get this, you can quit coming to Sunday school. Uh, if I would ever get this, I'd quit having to teach, but I'm too stupid to, to remember it, uh, and I keep falling back into my own uh, own garbage, uh, and I can't uh, I can't stay out of my own way. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who, or I'll share, I'll share his word. It's actually, Barak would be blessed. This is probably better. Happy is the man who, right? Does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It is in the law of the Lord that eternal life is revealed. That faith in Messiah is revealed. And on, uh, and on his law, he meditates day and night, for he will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Are there any trees by water in this story? Yeah, it's going to show up at the end. You'll be there to see it. Trust me. It yields its fruit in its season 12 trees, 12 seasons. It's a t- the tree of light. You're going to be there. You're going to see it. Its leaf does not wither. Not so with the wicked. Not so. So don't fret when evildoers prosper, because it's not so with the wicked. So suffer in prison and endure. It'll give you the crown of life. Fight the good fight, keep the faith, run the race. This is correlation. This is seeing the same author saying the same thing to all people in all circumstances because of the same theology. Right? Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. When is the assembly of the righteous? It's the new heavens and new earth, New Jerusalem. You'll be there. And guess who won't be there? The wicked will not be there. In the assembly of the righteous, you'll look for him and you will not see him. This is why David says what he says in Psalm 37 Mark the righteous man, watch his ways. And watch the wicked man because you won't see him in the resurrection. You won't see him in the kingdom. You won't see him in the land. The righteous man has a posterity, a future, but the wicked man will be cut off. No future. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So here's your encouragement I don't care where you look in this book, you go anywhere, you're going to find it in every page, all the way throughout. And uh, these stories and these authors are going to say the same thing over and over and over. Endure, endure, endure. They don't call injustice uh, justice. They, they recognize it as injustice, but they tell you to endure it. Um, why? The king has come. What was it specifically? If you get this theology of resurrection from the dead, eternal life. Uh, this is the encouragement. This is why you med- the righteous man meditates on the law day and night. Not so with the wicked. Do you remember the Shema, Israel, Adonai, Adonai, Adonai? Uh, o Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall speak of them. You shall teach it. You shall, uh, uh, as you what? Walk and stand and sit. All right? Same thing here. Uh, So so don't walk and stand and sit with them. You walk and stand and sit over here with your meditation on the Lord. And he'll reward you for it. With what? Cash now. No. No suffering. No, he will actually, listen to this, he will actually reward you with suffering. Um, You know why? Why? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the refining of your faith works for endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work, that you would be perfect complete, lacking nothing, because it is in the midst of the suffering and the trials and the tribulation and the cancer and the sorrow and the garbage and the unrighteous apparently winning. Right. In the midst of all of that, your faith, your hope is removed from the things Which give no life, and they're connected to the only one who gives life. And so your faith endures, and so your faith is perfected. And so James would say, We count those as blessed who endure. Consider Job. Have you endured as much as Job? (laughs) No. No. But the Lord is faithful, and He'll be faithful to you too. Got it? So overcome. Overcome. Now that's a sermon. Quit whining. Quit your complaining. It could be worse. And if it were worse, count that as blessing. Because the worse it gets, the more your faith is going to be refined and perfected. Now, that's backwards thinking in our culture, isn't it? But this is Paul's theology. This is Peter's theology. Don't you dare crucify me head up. Don't you crucify me like Christ. No, 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 Upside down, please. Church history tells us. Right? This is the theology that will change the church. It'll actually get the church doing what the church is supposed to be doing. Right? What else would John write to the seven churches? Overcome. Endure. I know there are false teachers over there. I know that there are... Wicked people over there. I know that you're. They're going to throw you in prison. I know that you're going to suffer. I know that you're. But but why are you leaving your first love? Why why are you? you see what he's doing. Overcome. 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 Good. So the churches um, because it says in chapter one to write to the seven churches, and the only one I recognize is that, from all Paul's letters, right? The the different. Uh, right. Uh, Paul, uh, so, so, uh, so Paul uh, has a particular ministry in Ephesus and um, um, you actually will get, so, so flip over to the end of uh, uh, Colossians. Yeah, so, so, so the, the seven churches, how come we only recognize uh, one? Uh, church, in that's uh, Ephesus, uh, but at the end of, uh, of um, Colossians, this is in chapter 4, verse 18, and when this re- letter is read among you all, Colossians, have it also, uh, read it also to the church of the Laodiceans, and you, for your part, read my letter coming to you from Laodicea. Now, uh, Our oldest, okay. So, so this is. um, So, let's talk about seminary stuff, right? Right. So, it's seminary professors. uh, They make us learn this stuff. Anyway, Um, our oldest manuscripts of the letter to the Ephesians actually doesn't say Ephesians. It says to the saints who reside in blank, and there's no church name there. Blank space there. yeah there's actually there's nothing there there's actually a blank space and then it continues on um so many have concluded and i think probably rightly uh that this was a circular letter this was a letter that paul was writing to believers uh, along the, the trail churches along the trail and it was to be read in every church right um Many think that this was Paul's letter to the, Ephesians was actually Paul's letter to the Laodiceans. Why do we say that? Because Colossians and Ephesians are so similar in what they say. It's, it's, Colossians is addressing some, some, some specific issues in uh, Colossae, but uh, Ephesus, the letter to the Ephesians uh, is very general. Okay. Um, no uh, Greek so and so. You know, that usually is at the end of all of Paul's letters where he greets the saints in those churches. This is general and is carried from church to church. So so what happened to these churches? I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. Right? Uh, what would, if, if John was writing to, uh, to the church at Champion Fellowship, right, what would he say? Endure, overcome, uh, and you'll get eternal life. I know that you think it's terrible and it's the end of the world uh, that, you know, the political landscape of the day, but that's not your hope. So endure, quit whining. <laughs> right. Okay. That, he probably would say that. I would say it that way. Quit whining, suck it up, rub dirt on it. You've not yet uh, suffered to the shedding of blood, you know, something like that. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. We good? We didn't get very far uh, today, but that's okay. We preached a little bit, okay. Uh, but uh, can we? Can I leave it to you all? To here's what I want you to do for next week. I want you to read the, the letters to the seven churches, and uh, I want you to primarily and most importantly recognize uh, the um, uh, the uh, uh, the end of the letter, because those are things that even though it was promised to them, right? All seven churches are reading this book. Are you with me? And so every church, uh, in other words, uh, when we talk about application, think about this, okay? Uh, was the church at uh, Pergamum, for example, uh, to uh, make some kind of, make up an application about prison ministry? They they just read the previous letter to the church. Now, if they were in prison, then they, yeah, suck it up. Are you with me? In other words, so so John is writing specific application to specific people, but also giving general encouragement that aligns with the theological truth of the whole story that each of the seven churches were to read and to be encouraged by. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're asking, how does it apply to us? I would ask you, how does the letter to Smyrna apply to the saints in Philadelphia? In the same way... Uh, that application is going to apply to to us. Does that make sense, Dragon? So read the seven letters to the seven churches. Pay particular attention uh, to the end of the letter to each one, right? Uh, um, he who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. He who overcomes, I will give you hidden uh, manna. He who overcomes, uh, um, I will give him authority over the nations. He who overcomes will be clothed in white garments. He who overcomes will be called pilgrim of God. These are for all believers. This is for, does that make sense? Good? Okay. All right. Then, uh, so so that's going to put us through chapters two and chapter three. So next week, we're going to answer some questions, raise questions about two and three. Uh, and then we're going to go into after these things. Okay, now, uh, just by way of reminder, so you know where we're headed. Okay, after these things. So chapters four through chapters 19 of the book of uh, of Revelation is concerning the 70th week of Daniel, the 70th seven, the 70th seven-year period. Okay, um, and this is where the Lord is going to start to right the ship, so to speak. He's going to bring Israel back to faith, Right. In the 70th week of Daniel, so this is chapter 4 through chapter 19, we're going to make three passes through the 70th week, chapters uh, 4 through chapters 10, then 11 through 16, and then 17 and 18, three passes, and then the return of Christ in chapter 19, where he's going to establish his millennial reign, thousand years, new heaven's new earth. chapter 20, 21, 22. Good? All right, so that's where we're headed. Let me pray for us. Actually, Johnny, would you pray for us? Did I bring you here? Did I what? <laughs> <laughs> pray for us. Thank you. I need to pray for you. Please pray for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife. Pray for my wife, because she's got to put up with me. Oh, Amen. <laughs> Lord, you count the stars. Mm. You call them by name. Lord, we thank you that our name is amongst the stars. Bless this time. Thank you for these words. Thank you for your word to each and every one of us. Help us to be faithful as we pursue your will for each and every one of our lives. As we ask Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Johnny. We'll see you back next week. Have a great week.